Assalamualaikum warahmatullah and welcome to another edition of Tawheed and the Creation exploring the book The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body, authored by Bilasad Imani. My name is uh, Mohammed Fasih Peterson and uh, it's a pleasure having Bilasad with us in studio once again as we reflect on the uh, amazing human body this evening again. So we're in the second part of the book and uh, we're looking at the internal universe before we were exploring the external universe we were looking at the galaxies the stars the big bang but now we are looking at the internal universe what exists within the human being and uh, as I mentioned joining me Bilisani Mani Bilisani Assalamu Alaikum and welcome to the OAS once again Wa Alaikum Salam Wa Rahmatullahi Wa Barakatuh Muhammad Fasih and the listeners out there but Asali, uh, this evening we will obviously be recapping what we started on last week. Last week we embarked on the internal journey, so to speak, and uh, we reflected on uh, some of the signs to be found within the human body. So if we could maybe just go back and take a look at what we had covered and then I believe that we will be moving into the more microscopic aspects of the human body, inshallah. Yeah, like the Big Bang, Muhammad Rasih, we started with the smallest uh, particle of matter, the atom. Now, in the human body, it's also made up of atoms, but the smallest part of the human body is called a human body cell. It is a living piece of organic matter. Living meaning that it lives, it moves, it breathes, it takes in food, it duplicates itself, it also dies, and it excretes waste. Now these things are extremely, extremely small. And as we mentioned, um, the whole body is made up of 40 trillion individual cells. A human adult body is made up of 40 trillion individual cells. Now if we were to say 40,000 or 40 billion, 40 trillion is something that our minds can't even comprehend. And each one of those individual cells plays a particular role. Now they don't act individually as little pieces of living matter each doing their own thing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala organized these things in such a way um, where some of them come together and they perform very specific functions, some very sophisticated functions. So if we talk about our nervous system, you have special cells there and you have cells that would be part of your, your, your blood system and then you would have part of them that's part of your uh, food chain. So all of them coming together, then they are organized into the different organs and the different systems within the human body. But they are extremely small 
And what we would like to do is to go into what these body cells are actually made up of. Um, and uh, then we will get on to some of the more, uh, or the links between some of what is happening there to some of the sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But let us understand how small they are, how many they are, and how very sophisticated they are. I think also a way for us to frame just the idea around what we're talking about is those cells represent communities in a sense within the body, uh, populations. So if we think about a population of about 40 trillion, <laughs> that is how many living organisms are in the body. Uh, and we're talking about living organisms, but I mean, even those cells are made up of, of living organisms in a sense. But 40 trillion citizens residing in one human body. Now you can, if you use that example, you could say that of the 40 trillion, 10 trillion are, uh, if we look at the community now, 40 trillion are responsible for gathering wood. Uh, five trillion are responsible for ensuring that there's water. Uh, uh, another two billion maybe after the defense of the system. And and if you look at it as a community, in a, in the same way, all the essential functions functions of the body are organized in such a way that the body or the community, as you uh, the example that you've used, that all the needs are taken care of. So yes, that, that's uh, a nice way of making the concept a bit easier. Now, we're mentioning uh, this community, the existence of the cells that are alive. So obviously, everything that is alive has to act and exist like other living organisms or living creatures. So does that mean that these cells have similar life cycle as we do? And does it mean that they, that they also eat, that they also breathe oxygen? Yes, but not exactly the same way um, for each cell. It depends on the particular function that they have to perform. Some of these um, cells have quite long lives and some of them uh, their lives are actually very short um, to give you an example the, the taste bud cells are renewed every 10 hours <laughs> wow <laughs> every 10 hours the taste bud cells are renewed um, which shows you how short the lifespan is an adult body um, generally, we said there's 40 trillion uh, cells in the body. 300 billion of those cells are renewed every single day. Every single day. So the person that you've met yesterday is certainly not the person that you're meeting today because uh, uh, it's new cells. It's, a, it's, it's almost a new person that you're meeting after a few months or a few years. I mean, that makes sense. So if we're saying that there are 40 trillion cells in the body and there are 300 billion being renewed every day, so definitely then after, let's say, 10 days, or not even 10 days, let's say about 15, 20 days, the whole structure of the person has been renewed. 
But obviously, it's happening at a microscopic level, so we're not aware of this change to such a degree that we're not even aware that the cells have been born or that the cells have died. But yet, with this regeneration process, the body keeps functioning as per normal. You see, what is so wonderful, Muhammad Fasir, about this point that we, 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 we are discussing now is that these cells are born, they last a certain amount of time and then they die. Yet the body continues to do exactly what it did yesterday until the body itself dies. But that continuation of carrying out the functions that the body requires is one of the marvels of the body, despite the fact that they die. But what happens is, what is unique about these cells, they have the ability to duplicate themselves. So if you have a cell, um, it splits itself in two and it becomes a photoset copy of the previous cell. The previous one dies and the new one um, that's formed out of this uh, division of the cell becomes the new cell and that is what is continuously happen throughout uh, the life of a, of a human being. The voice of Buddhist Imani, this is the program to in the Creation, exploring the book, The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body. Uh, we're going to go for a break. When we come back, we'll continue. And of course, we're looking at the cells of the body this evening as we uh, cover the second part of the book, looking at the human body in this very interesting journey. Stay with us. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and welcome back to Tawheed and the Creation, exploring the book, The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body, authored by Bidasani Mani. And uh, before the break, we were reflecting on an interesting concept and that is around the cells of the body we understand that the cells are constantly regenerating themselves so we said that every day 300 billion cells actually are renewed or born and so that means 300 billion cells die for those 300 billion to be born when we look at that uh, we've also said that the amazing part is that the body continues to perform those functions that it had performed prior to those cells dying and new cells forming which is so amazing subhanallah uh, but certainly if we look at the human body and we talk about what is organic and what is inorganic uh, how do we then understand those cells and can we call those cells organic? I know this is, this is a strange question to ask. When we look at what we find in plant matter, in animal matter around us, is there any similar nature between the cells of the human body and, and other existing organisms or cells around us? Yeah, cells is... Um, cells are um, the smallest part of living matter. Now, life is not only exclusive to human beings life exists within plants uh, in the plant kingdom and in the anim animal kingdom generally 
the cells would of course be different and what makes our cells different um, is the way the human being has been designed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you look for example at the tree it has to perform specific functions and the cells within the tree would be designed to ultimately form part of what a tree looks like and the functions it's supposed to perform so if you look at that alone and you look at a human being the 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 functions of a human being compared to a tree are totally different and therefore the cells would be different and one of the things that um we have to also recognize is that the way plants get their energy or their food is different from how the animal kingdom and 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 scientists when they talk about the animal kingdom they include the human beings in that and we would say that that would be different because plants convert carbon dioxide and sunlight into food and the waste product is oxygen so if we look for example if we just take that as a side point and say part of the reason why we have this crisis in the world where we have the weather patterns changing and we have earthquakes and flooding throughout the world it's happening now at a phenomenal right now then part of the reason is because we don't have enough trees and we hear this and the answer is actually quite simple if we eliminate the trees then there aren't enough activity happening to convert the carbon dioxide which we exhale we use oxygen and we exhale carbon dioxide in plants the opposite happens it uses the carbon dioxide and as a waste product it gives us oxygen Subhanallah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows for the cycle to take place. And also, I have to stress another point that we mentioned in the previous program. We were speaking about the, the universe as such, that matter can never be destroyed. So it transfers from one state to another. So oxygen is constantly being recycled in this atmosphere between plants and other living organisms like human beings and animals, uh, where there's this inhalation and exhalation of oxygen to um, carbon and then from carbon back into oxygen so amazing enough this balance is maintained and yet when we think about it the fact that trees exist to generate that oxygen if there were no trees how would that cycle then fulfill itself in fact it won't fulfill itself you won't the cycle will be broken Allah has designed the system such that the amount of oxygen to sustain life on earth is dependent on the presence of trees now it's not only uh, importantly it's not only the trees but plant life also exists within the sea so if we pollute the sea we kill the plant life and we reduce the amount of oxygen that's being generated into the atmosphere so we can't break the cycle this is a cycle that we, we we will have to maintain but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the wise creator 
and the knower of everything knows exactly what needs to happen and Allah has designed it in such a way that this world will be sustained until Allah decides for it not to be uh, existent anymore. Another interesting fact, Bilisani, I believe is that there is this uh, idea that the chemicals to be found in the universe, that if I'm not mistaken, almost all the chemicals in the universe are to be found in the human body. Is, is that correct? 100% correct, Muhammad Fasih. That's another pointer towards our bodies being miniature universes. All the elements and the chemicals you find out there, with very, very few exceptions, uh, scientists have gone into this, and um, there's one or two things that they're unclear about, but almost every single element, every chemical that is present out there in the universe, there is a trace of that in the human body. SubhanAllah, which just confirms this whole concept that we are a microcosm of the entire universe. Now, that chemical energy that we are talking about, if we remember what was said, the amount of energy in the universe came from the original spark of energy right at the beginning of creation, the time of the Big Bang. When the Big Bang happened, there was one spark of energy and all the energy of the entire universe was contained in that one spark. It's, it's, it's almost impossible to think through that concept, but this is what scientists have confirmed. That energy doesn't get less, it doesn't get more, but it changes from one form to the other. And I think the oxygen to carbon dioxide and carbon dioxide to, to oxygen is a good I, uh, example of how things can transform from one form to another form. Now in the same way energy also transforms from one state to another. Now the chemical energy, um, I think last week or the week before we mentioned that the human body operates just on two things, chemical uh, energy and electrical energy. Now the chemical energy is what comes in, it converts within the certain cells of the body, it converts the chemical energy into electrical energy. And where we use, where do we use uh, the, the electrical energy? We use the electrical energy to power the muscles. The, um, the impulses um, to make the muscle move, um, you either uh, remove the electrical impulse, which makes it expand, and when you, when you give it an impulse, then it contracts. And I don't know, uh, Muhammad Fasih, whether you did an example or an experiment when, when, when you were at school, where they use a frog leg. They cut off the, the leg of the frog, it's been removed from the frog, and they put small little electrical impulses, and you can see actually how the muscles of the frog legs react to the electrical impulse. I think also um, what makes that amazing is 
And, and that's why I've always wondered why it is when a charge is being delivered to a person who is in cardiac arrest uh, that the body contracts because ultimately when the heart is stopped, I imagine the electricity of the body has then left the body as well. So what we're saying is that the muscles are being stimulated by those electrical pulses and hence the contractions. If you look at the ECG, and most people have seen that, that's the little screen with the, the graph. with the graph on it. If you look at the graph, it has spikes that goes up and it goes down, up and down, up and down. The up spike is the impulse to make the heart beat. And then it drops, then it rests, then it comes, there's another spike, and then it beats. So that makes the muscles contract exactly the way that graph looks. And sometimes when people have heart trouble, then the pulse that comes to the heart is erratic. Or uh, the space between one pulse and the next pulse is not um, constant. Then they can actually see from the graph the electrical impulse controls the beating of the heart. So when the pulse is not there, then the heart will stop beating. So electricity performs a very, very important function in that respect to make the hearts, uh, to make all the muscles um, contract or uh, what's the opposite of contract? Expand. <laughs> yeah, or expand or relax. Um, and of course, the other very, very, very vital uh, function that electricity plays in the body, it's the way messages are conveyed from one point throughout the entire body. The body actually uses small, minor, minute electrical impulses to convey information from one point of the body to the other. And we know that the key place where, where that is driven from is, of course, the brain. The voice of Pilisari Mani. This is the program Tawheed and the Creation, exploring the book The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body. And uh, when we return after the break, we will continue. Stay tuned. <laughs> Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. Welcome back to the program, Tawheed and the Creation, exploring the book, The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body. Now, obviously, the idea that there is this internal universe, there is this community of organisms, and yet, at the end of it all, every organism is governed by the Supreme Creator. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at all of these organisms and Allah subhanahu wa has given command to all of these organisms to behave in exactly the way Allah subhanahu wa has defined for them to behave. And Allah subhanahu wa is the absolute sovereign. And so now we'll be exploring that name of Allah subhanahu wa and how that relates to where we are in our exploration of this human body. Muhammad Fasih, um, when you ask people how is your body controlled? Then they say it is from your brain. Um, because if the brain does not send the electrical, the, the message, then if you look at the heart, for example, um, 
a message must be sent that those impulses that makes the heart beat the way it beats comes from the brain. But apart from, it's a section of the brain that's not under our um, conscious control. It happens without us even knowing that. When we breathe, the brain tells us we need oxygen and we breathe X amount of times per minute. Sometimes we can keep our breath in, but then at some point you are forced to uh, allow it just to continue automatically. The temperature of the body must be kept in a very, very strict range. If the body gets too cold, will die. If it gets too hot, then the body uh, just switches off. It dies. Your temperature, I'm not 100% sure anymore about this. I used to know it. I think if it gets to 40 degrees, um, then the body temperature switches. The, 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 the thermostat of the body says, this is it. I can't control it beyond this and the body's temperature once it switches off you go into a fever and the body just ceases uh, to function properly all of these things are controlled we think by the brain but what is it in the brain <laughs> what is in a human brain that makes it control every single function of whether you feel a pinprick in your in in your finger or whether you have earache or whether it is to control the rate at which your heart is beating or your temperature what is it what is it in the brain where is that small man in the brain that sits there at the control box and pressing all the buttons you will look and look and look there is no such thing these things are under the direct control of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every single activity that takes place within every single cell, every human cell that we have, and this, how many did we say? Um, 40 trillion. 40 trillion cells. Each one is waiting on the command. Allah uses the brain as a means to get the messages to the cells and the different organs in the body but every single activity every single object within the human body is fully under Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's control now let's just pause there let's just pause there if it was not under Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's control say, say we said it's the brain and some people might say uh, you know, uh, make an argument like that. So are they saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has control and the brain has control? Are they saying that there are two centers of control? Allah controls the universe, but the brain controls the body. It's dangerous to speak like that because then you are actually saying there's a partner to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the reasons why we must never fall in the trap to say that there is power or ability in anything other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La hawla wa la quwata illa billah. 
But Sadi, when we explore that concept a little bit further, particularly when we look at what we've just mentioned around Allah subhanahu wa being the absolute sovereign. So that, in a sense, tells us that we must then not turn away from this concept and must not assign ability to anything else to influence except that Allah subhanahu wa is the one who sets it out. Yeah, the... Um Obviously, everything that we say becomes almost, well, I was going to say meaningless, but it becomes baseless is a better word. It becomes baseless if we can't back it up with Quranic ayah. And there is a verse in the Quran, uh, verse 326, where it says, and I'm going to quote, say, Cool. Oh Allah, Allah instructs humankind to say, Oh Allah, owner of sovereignty, you give sovereignty to whom you will, and you take sovereignty away from whom you will. You honor whom you will, and you humble whom you will. In your hand is all good indeed. You are over all things competent. You are over all things competent close quote you are over all things competent what does that mean it means that there is nothing that allah does not have control over allah confirms this in the quran so yes we have brains we have hearts we have lungs but over all things allah has competence and we must never forget that Brisani, we've come to the end of tonight's uh, program and definitely we've covered a lot of ground looking at the human body and just having us take a second glance at this amazing body. Uh, we look at the external and we say, wow, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made that nose or those eyes or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made those ears. But yet when we think about the ecosystems about the community of cells existing in the body 40 trillion of them and Allah is aware of them splitting and expanding and how many cells doesn't one experience in one lifetime and Allah is in control and is in control of all of those cells Allah knows when they came into existence Allah knows when they will die subhanallah and yet Allah's Pantala is aware not just of that but Allah is aware of the universe around us, the millions and billions of stars around us, the galaxies, the atoms that make up everything that's in existence, even the atoms that make up the cells. Subhanallah. Subhanallah, subhanallah. Allah is so great. Um, and we must see Allah's greatness when we look at the human body. Because the human body is one of the great miracles that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. Um, I think when we start with the next show we should actually just continue with this point this point about Allah being in charge of everything and seeing how do we take that and apply it to our own lives so that the lesson can be something that influences our behavior and it's not just knowledge that we have and we don't act on it so shukran uh, uh, very much for this opportunity once again and to all the listeners for their very favorable 
and encouraging comments that we've had so far. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And uh, from Islam Muhammad Fasih Peterson, till I speak to you again, inshallah, I bid you assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and have a fantastic evening further. لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله